I was just checking to make sure our Facebook feed was working this morning. It is. It wasn't last week. If you're ever away and uh, you're looking forward to watching us live and it doesn't show up, we had technical difficulties probably didn't know we were having technical difficulties like happened last week. The audio is always available on our, on our website. Well, more almost always. There are a few times that that's happened too. Um, anyway, so I was, I was talking to a dad the other day and I said, so what does your son want to be when he grows up? And he said, well, to tell you the truth, he wants to be a garbage collector. And I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting aspiration. I said, why on earth does he want to do that? He said, well, because he thinks that the garbage collectors only work on Tuesdays. <laughs> I, I wanted to, to, to tell a joke on my son that, that Zach wanted to be a pastor. Oh, yeah, why? Why would he want to be that? Because he thinks that they only work on Sundays. But he never thought that. So, um, did, did you ever want to grow up to be something when you were little? I mean, You know, when you're six, seven, eight years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be an astronaut. Uh, I have a question this morning. Is any, did anybody grow up to be what at that age you wanted to be when you grew up? A few hands. Good. Good. So there's a few of you. Um, I didn't. I wanted to be a farmer and God had other plans for that. And uh, I, I, I journeyed through life. He directed my paths. He made them straight. Uh, I believe his call was, was fairly specific uh, on my life. Well, actually, really, in all of our lives, God's call is, is specific for us. And that's why we're going through this series, What on Earth Am I Here For? Why am I alive? What purpose does God have for my life? And I want you to turn with me uh, to our passage for this morning. It's Romans chapter 8. Verses 28 and 29. It says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, other translations there, you may have one this morning, say that he chose them to become like his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We have been chosen to become like Jesus. That's the title of today's message. It's our our third purpose, to be like Christ. We We have been created to become like him. And some people think, wow, that's a really high bar. How on earth could I possibly reach that or even come close? But you see, we have been created what? In the image of God. We have his very image within us. And God, over the process of your life and mine, through the journey as we grow and as we struggle and as we learn, he empowers us to do just that, to be like Christ. I didn't say to become Christ or to become a God, but to become like him. Now, as much as we want it to, this doesn't happen overnight, does it? Uh, It doesn't happen overnight in our lives or in the lives of anyone around us. In fact, that's where some of the friction in the relationships that we have, even with people that we love very dearly, comes from. Um, We sometimes hold other people to a much higher standard than we hold ourselves to. And that can create friction. 
Uh, We need to recognize that we're all on a journey, that we're all in different places of growth to maturity in Christ, and we need to be patient. We need to have grace and mercy and forgiveness. Those Those have to be a huge part of our everyday lives. And as we remain connected to Christ, as we talked about last week, a part of the vine We get the power and the enablement to live in this way. Now, five times in the New Testament, God compares becoming to becoming like Christ to running a race. And this race of life that we are all running is a marathon, not a sprint. Life is not a sprint as much as we would like it to be. Getting to maturity, to be a grown-up person, to be wise, all of those things. It's not a sprint. Now, there are sprints along the way. There are obstacles in the way. But as we travel it together, as the body of Christ, those whose, whose lives have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, the church, each using our gifts and talents in conjunction with everyone else, amazing things can happen. Now, it's a marathon. Uh, It's a marathon run to maturity, not a sprint. Take out your note sheet, and we're going to go through some of these things. Six things we're going to go through today that help us along in this run to maturity. Uh, But first, there's a... I know some of you ran like the summit to summit yesterday and there's some other 5Ks that are coming up and those sorts of things. Uh, I want to just sort of play off of this race theme this morning. Um, There's a race out there called the Tough Mudder. And it, you know, I don't have all the statistics. Some of them are, you know, two, two miles. Some of them are five miles. There's one that you race all night long for 24 hours straight and, and you get this big, you know, medal, this big sort of badge of honor that you did this. Um, the next slide, go ahead and show it, uh, Roy. There's the start to one of the tough mutters. Now, I, I want to ask you this question. Um, have you ever, anybody in here ever run a marathon? Anybody ever run, Garrett, I don't think really, really a marathon? It's 26 miles. Nope. Anybody? I thought for sure we'd have at least one person in the room. I know that, how many of you are related to somebody that uh, has run a marathon? There we go. Yeah, okay. See, that's what I think too. No way. No way I'm going to run a marathon. Anyway, do, do you ever, let's look at this picture. This is a picture of the start of a marathon. Now, do you notice anything, you know, maybe unusual about that or, or observations that we could make, especially about what they're wearing? Do you ever, ever see a marathon run in the dead of winter? No. Why? Because people would look really funny and have a lot of trouble running 26 miles with eight layers and and gloves and snow boots on. They don't do that. No. They dress appropriately to run a long ways. Those shirts probably weigh nothing. The shorts, the same thing. They are so light. The tennis shoes, they buy the lightest shoes that are on the market. Why? Because they don't want those things dragging them down or slowing them down. And that's exactly the way the Bible talks about us running the race. Flip, flip, from, Hebrew, uh, flip from Romans to the book of Hebrews. These are going to be up on the screen as well, but if you're a person that likes to write in your Bible, circle things, underline things, uh, look it up in, in your, your Bible there. Hebrews chapter 12. 
Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Get rid of everything that hinders, the writer of Hebrews says. Everything. Um, The sin that's so easily entangled. So the first thing in your notes, number one, that we must do to run the marathon to maturity, to become more like Christ, is this. We need to simplify our lives. We need to simplify our lives. Now, there's many things in your life and in mine and in the world that could fit into the category of everything. Right? Um, You know, and, and, and those everythings, aren't necessarily bad things. Although the writer of Hebrews mentions sin, absolutely, we need to put off sin. We need to repent of it. We need to turn from it. We need to surrender it and confess it to the Lord. Turn away and run a different direction. But there's also such thing as too much of a good thing. You know, uh, one of the things that in our Bible studies that we talked about, that we talked about this last week was... If, if you're too busy to meet with people, you're too busy. You know, we were created for relationships. And if we're forsaking those relationships for doing things, whether good or bad, we need to take stock of our life and we need to step back and go, okay, where, where am I? What, what am I doing? Am, am I in too much? Am I doing too much activity? Uh, if you are, if you get the hint that, you know, if, if, the, if somebody says, hey, how you doing? And your first answer to that every time is I'm just really busy. Maybe you should, maybe you should make some decisions in your life to change the answer to that question. Although I understand, you know, when we say that in our culture, it's sort of, you know, we don't want to say, well, I, I had a great week. You know, I sat out on the deck drinking iced tea for at least three hours a day. And, you know, I had some great moments to relax. What would people think of us if we said that, if we actually did that? You know, I think in our heads, we think they would think I'm just lazy and all I do is, you know, sit around on my deck and drink iced tea. When actually, maybe except for the iced tea thing, that would be healthy for us to do. Maybe not just sit there by ourselves, but sit there with a neighbor. Have them come over for dinner. Go to a Bible study once a week. Sacrifice two hours a week to be with other people. In the, uh, in the Lord. Uh, many of us, we do. We need to simplify our lives. And, and here's my suggestion. Start with one thing. One. Don't look at your life and go, oh, how many things do I need to cut out? No, just, just say, okay. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin praying about this, and it's just going to be one thing. Now, don't, don't, you know, we're notorious for this, right? I talked to somebody just this week who's retiring soon. And they're like, well, I'm not going to stop doing things. In fact, though, the more I talk about slowing down, the more things it seems like I put on my plate. And that's just not healthy to do. Um, Start with one thing. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Now, have you ever, I was at the regional track meet this weekend and I watched this happen. Have you ever watched a runner at the beginning of a long race, a two mile, a one mile, even maybe an 800, and they just sprint off of the line and they're in the lead, right? I mean, they have a huge lead. It could even be a hundred yards. And what do you think to yourself? No way. 
they can keep up that pace. I watched a kid do that, and I thought, wow, maybe this kid is legit. You know, maybe he knows what he's doing. Nope, he didn't. He didn't even place. But he was first for the first. Maybe that was his goal. I'm going to be first for the first 300 yards. And then after like 410, the bear crawled on his back, and he could not shake it. And he didn't even place. You know, life is not that way. We cannot live our lives as if it is a sprint because it's not. It's a marathon. And, uh, and so these things that we're going to be talking about today are going are to help with this. I watched a video last week um, where a runner, and this is a, an Olympic or a college race, and these are, I mean, these are professional runners. And, and I'm watching the race, and I, I think it was like a, a 1600 and on the third lap, about on the backstretch, this guy just takes off. And I'm going, wow, this guy is good. And he, he breaks the finish line and he stops. And all of a sudden, all the other runners pass him and everybody's yelling, go, go, go. It's not over yet. He thought he was done, but he had one more lap to go. And, and I'm telling you, this guy was a stud because he won the race. He had enough left in the tank to kick it back in for another 400 and ended up, ended up winning it. But, but his not knowing where he was at and not sort of running with intentionality almost cost him the race. So you, can't, you just can't sprint a marathon, and life is a marathon. So we need to, we need to simplify our lives. Number two, uh, we need to not get impatient or in a hurry you know, we want, the, we want to be obedient to God's commands. I believe all of us want to do what's right. I, I, believe, I believe that is our desire as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and as we do uh, want to do that, we need to remember that life is a process, that, that, that your maturity in Christ is a journey. It's not something that happens overnight. You don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ and poof, you're, you're as if you were 30 years in Christ. It doesn't happen. It can't happen. Don't get frustrated when it doesn't. We have to remember for grace's sake in our lives as well as the people that we interact with on a daily basis that it's a process, that it's a journey. And that other person is at a different place on their journey than I am. They're going to respond to things differently than I do and than you do. Some, may, some, some might be more mature than you do. Some might be more immature than you do. But we need to remember that as followers of Christ, we are all in process. Now, that verse right there um, talks about uh, perseverance, right? We're to persevere. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Now, perseverance is steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. You know, I think of motherhood in this way. Uh, Who wouldn't want success being your kids doing everything that you ask them to, not being a lot of work, you know, they sort of dress themselves, feed themselves, um, you know, all the way through. Wouldn't that be just great? Um, but, but we all know that it's, it's hard work, and there are times when you have to persevere. Uh, persistence, tenacity, determination, staying power. I didn't even look how to pronounce this one. In, I'm just going to skip it. Steadfastness. Purposefulness, patience, endurance, application, diligence, dedication, commitment, doggedness. It's a good one. Assiduity or assiduity or something like that. 
tirelessness, stamina, intransigence. I didn't even know some of these were words. Um, Obstinacy. You know, we we need to remember the the words of Salty the Salter. Does anybody remember Salty the Salter? Um, Raise your... Oh, you do? Yeah, the, the like... The singing songbook, you know, he's, his arms come out and he's blue-faced and, and it's kind of scary, right? Um, but in 1979, I was attending a vacation Bible school and we had Salty the Salter was there and he was singing this song and it was, it was about patience and it was about this snail that everybody had to wait on. And, and this snail decided that he didn't want to be slow anymore and he started to be doing all things really fast. And his dad said, look... You're a snail. We don't do things fast. And he sang him this little song, and it says, Be patient, but he sings it really low, right? Be patient, be patient. Don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, Remember that God is patient too and think about the times when others have to wait for you. Da, 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 da. <laughs> now, I only had to look up the last line of that song. I knew all of the rest by heart from 1979, right? But it's important to understand that we can't rush maturity We need to not get impatient or in a hurry. We need to relax. We need to step back and understand that it's going to take time in our lives and in others. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So how do you spell maturity? I think it's in your notes. Maturity is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. Time. And that's just the way it is. There is no fast track to maturity. There's no magic pill. It takes time. And on all the other things in life, we realize that they take time. If you're going to lose weight, you don't say, I'm going to diet today, and then you get on the scale the next day, and you haven't lost 20 pounds. Gee, come on. What a terrible diet. No, it it takes time. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that, actually? But um, getting stronger, playing a masterpiece on a piano, getting a degree. We have lots of of our students that that are graduating this coming month, either from high school or from college, or uh, I see a few master's degrees out there on Facebook. It takes time. There are some parents that they feel like their children have been in school forever. Maybe you feel like you've been in school forever. You know, growing a strong marriage, raising our children, these things take time. And we need to not get impatient. I mean, it takes years, right, to go from being a newborn baby to a 50-year-old adult. 50, to be exact. 50 years. We need to simplify. We need to be patient. And we also must... Wait a minute. I had an illustration that I wanted to use in there. Okay. Point number three. We need to spend time focusing on Jesus every day. We need to spend time focusing on Jesus every day. Look look at the next verse there in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the beginning of it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You see this this endurance, 
um, this perseverance, it, it, it happens as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and given the power. And as we do that, we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our, of our faith. Growing to maturity, being like a race, fits perfectly, doesn't it? I mean, really, think about a marathon. Think about the Tough mutter. You don't, you don't wake up, you don't get up in the morning and say, hey, I think I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. You, you, you may participate in it, but you're not going to run it. Um, and who wants to walk? 20, how long would it take to walk 26 miles? A long, long time. Did, did you guys see the gentleman walking up Highway 26 last weekend? Um, Thursday, when we were uh, headed to Gillette, he was somewhere between Dwyer and Glendo, still walking. And, and I thought to myself, I'm, I'm sort of disappointed that I didn't pull over and ask him some questions. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? You know, what kind of journey are you on? Why, you know, because it, it almost seemed like if somebody even did stop and offer him a ride, he didn't accept it. He, he just maybe wanted to keep walking. And it took him a very long time to get from Torrington to somewhere between, I mean, five days, six days. Of, of walking. Um, it just, you know, we can't decide to run a marathon and run it tomorrow. It's, it's really not healthy, actually. Um, Sarah and I decided one day, one Sunday night, that we were going to climb, that we were going to hike the highest mountain peak, get this, the highest mountain peak east of the Rocky Mountains and west of the Andes. Okay? I'm, I'm not lying to you. It's true. We decided we were going to do that Monday, and we did. We got up Monday morning. We drove to the Black Hills. We climbed Harney Peak, which is actually now Black Elk Peak, and it's like 7,260. It's a 6.1-mile round trip. All the way, we got there, and we thought, there ain't no way we're going to get back to the car. We're going to die out here all the way back to the car for three and a half miles, both of us out loud are complaining about how much our body hurts. At one point I said, dear, can we, can we, can we not talk about how bad we feel? And can we talk about something else? And within 30 seconds, we were talking about how horribly we, we're sending pictures to our children with, 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 uh, with vultures circling over us going, uh, if we don't, if we don't call you in, I don't know, four or five hours, no, it didn't take us that long. But it, it, I mean, it took me weeks to recover from that. It's not healthy. It's not a healthy thing to do. Now, we had, other than complaining about how we felt, we had great conversation. It was a great day together, something to do together as a couple. But next time, you know, we're going to do a little walking before we do something like that. I mean, the next week, we climbed Muddy Mountain uh, south of, of, uh, of Casper Mountain with a four-wheeler. Same view, just a lot easier. Um, so, so all the things that we just saw in the last point, they take focused concentration. Uh, focused concentration. Growing in maturity and becoming like Christ is, is at the top of that list. With, with our, when our feet hit the floor in the morning, um, we, need to be, we, need, we need to be having that conversation with Jesus saying, hey, I'm yours today. What do you got for me? What are we going to do together today? 
uh, and we need to focus on him. Maybe, maybe it's reading a devotional in the morning, whenever you do your devotions, every day, uh, and, and thinking about something that, that will draw us into God's word. Maybe it's a passage. Maybe you're trying to memorize a, a verse. You know, think about it during the day. And when, and when you run into an obstacle, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? You, you pause and you say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I need help. I'm struggling here. I'm wrestling with this. Um, I'm tired. I'm weak. We pray. Um, now, something that we do every day we call a habit. Now, m- more often than not, unfortunately, I think when we talk about habits, we think about bad habits, bad habits that we can't seem to shake. But, but there are good habits. You know, there's good habits. Brushing your teeth is a great habit. Eating healthy is a great habit. I mean, you know, and, and prayer is a great habit. If it's good enough for the Son of God, it should be good enough for us. Look up here at Luke chapter 22, verse 39. It says, Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and this was to pray within the context of the passage, and his disciples followed him. Now, the emphasis is mine. I capitalized, as usual, but that was a habit that Jesus had. That was a part of his everyday life, taking time, getting away, praying, communing with the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, spent time in prayer regularly. It's important for us to Being created for relationships, there's no reason that we should ever think that it's up to us to run the race of maturity by ourselves. Uh, we just weren't created for it. And that brings us to number four. We need to gather a team to run with, with us. We need to gather a team. We need to be a part of a team. The, the Tough mutter is actually unlike any race or marathon in that you are actually encouraged to join with a team. I mean, look at this thing. Who wouldn't want to do that? Look at this next picture, though. There are obstacles that you can't get over by yourself in the Tough mutter. You have to have other people to help you. There are things in your life. Maybe, it's, maybe you're at that place right now where, where you can't do it yourself. You, you need a team of people. You need a group of people around you praying for you, giving you strength. There's moms out here that need a break. We, Dad, um, neighbors, if you're a single parent, um, those of us who are watching you, we can step in and help in some way to, to help give you uh, strength to, to work as a team. I mean, here's another sign from the tough mutter. Right? It's tough. There's one thing that you have to run through, and it's like all of these. We have people in this very room that are running this tough mutter sometime. I thought about, thought about it. Then I thought better. Because it, w- it wouldn't have been, I mean, even working up to it, it wouldn't have been good. But there's a, a part of this. I think it was the first picture that you showed in this set here where, no, actually it was the very first one. There's, there's this thing that you have to run through and there are these, they're like wires and they're electrified and you've got to run through it. Wet feet, covered in mud, getting shocked. Yeah, no, I don't know. Why? Why? Because you can, right? Because it's there. It's the challenge of the thing. Um, I want to see pictures when some of you up in the balcony, I know we're going to be running it. Um, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. We'll put it up here. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more to see as we see the day approaching. The longer our planet exists, the harder it's going to get. 
The day is approaching. It could be next week. It could be tomorrow. It could be in a thousand years. We don't know, but I believe, according to this verse, it's getting more difficult, and we need each other. We got to spur each other on towards good things. We can't give up meeting together. I think that includes um, meeting corporately on Sunday mornings, meeting in small groups, sharing life with people. What does Ecclesiastes say? Two are better than one, and three is even better. Why? Why does why do two why can two horses pull more together than they can individually? I actually researched this a little bit. Um, it's a little bit of an urban meth, uh, legend that they can pull way more, but they can pull more. And, and one of the things that they believe is happening is, is it's psychological. It has nothing necessarily to do with the two of them pulling together other than that they're side by side. And, and maybe one's trying to outpull the other. I don't know. But, but they work better as a team than individually. So we need to simplify, we need to be patient, we need to persist in focusing on Jesus every day, running as a team. But there are times when we can get tired, we get burned out. We don't think we can do this any longer. I can't do this. I'm tired. I'm burned out. I just want to quit. And it's in those moments that you need to remember number five, and that's that God is cheering you on at every stage. See, God doesn't want you to fail. God isn't out to make life difficult for you to ruin it to like maybe some of those professors you have at college that it just feels like every, you know, they say, they say everything that we've studied so far is going to be on the test. And then there's like three questions that you didn't even, where was that from? Right? It's almost like they want you to fail. I think one of the main reasons we want to quit in life is because we're ashamed. We feel guilty for not being mature or not making better decisions. And then the shame starts in. If it's not shame from other people, it's shame from our own mind and our own spirit. So what about shame? Now, I was, I was visiting with baby David Bennett this morning. And I, I mean, I told him, you heard me. Dude, how come you're not talking yet? Are you kidding me? He should be talking by now. How old is he? Six months old. What is taking him so long? Aren't you ashamed that he can't? We don't do that, right? We wouldn't be ashamed of an eight or nine-year-old that that couldn't drive, although I know there are eight and nine-year-olds who can and do a lot when they shouldn't. But we wouldn't shame somebody for not being mature when they haven't lived long enough to be that. The same thing is true in our spiritual life, in our maturity in Christ. It's a process. It's a journey. And you shouldn't be ashamed at whatever stage that you are in. If you're just starting out, it's all new. I'm still learning and growing and maturing. Here's the thing. I think one reason we might shame ourselves is because we think that God is ashamed of us. It's in your notes. What was Jesus' goal for the disciples? It was that the church would be built on them, right? Did they stick their foot in their mouths? Did they fail all the time? Did Jesus say, ah, done with you. New disciple, come on in. This one just screwed up. He didn't do that. He was patient with them. He forgave them. He worked with them. 
In fact, Hebrews 2.11, we looked at it last week. It says this, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He is not ashamed of us as brothers and sisters. He's cheering you on. He's cheering you on. In fact, have you ever watched your kids run a race? At what point do you start cheering for them? At the beginning, right? Um, you see a kid fall and get up and continue on. Does everybody from the, from the stands go, oh man, that was terrible. You're awful. How could you trip over that hurdle? Unless it was the last hurdle of the 300s. Then they understand how they could trip over that hurdle. But no, what happens? Everybody is cheering them on. When we ran, Sarah and I have never run a Tough Mudder, but we did, we did run one called the Warrior Dash. It was a 5K at 9,500 feet with obstacles. We did it together. We finished it. And all along, every obstacle we got to, there were people, competitors, other you know, people that were there just to watch, cheering you on as you went by. And it just, it's like, yes, we can do this. And we did. Um, so here's the thing. When you start feeling discouraged and ashamed, or you notice a fellow believer heading down that same track, you can see them. They're, they're starting to lose their spirit of life. They're, they're getting depressed and discouraged. You know, we need to remind them. You need to remember that God is cheering you on. That he is right there walking that journey of life with you. So we need to simplify, we need to be patient, we need to persist in focusing on Jesus every day, running as a team, being cheered on by God and cheering on one another. And finally, let's do number six, let's take every step with purpose. I've heard it said and I say it and I repeat it often, if you don't know where you're going, you just might end up there. We need to run this race with intention, recognizing that it's a process. You know, it's tough to mature if you aren't intentional about it. It isn't just going to happen. You can't, you can't lay down at night with your textbook under your pillow and think that you're going to pass the test the next morning. It doesn't happen that way. As many times as I tried it, it doesn't ha- Even if you lay your face right on the book, it doesn't work. You know, at the beginning of the year, what do students get? They get a syllabus. It outlines the reading schedule. It gives dates. It tells them when papers are due, when projects are due. A work schedule, an exam schedule, when those exams are. I showed up one night to class, had no clue there was a test that night. I had to, drop, I had to withdraw from the class because I what, didn't pay enough attention. I wasn't attacking that class with purposeful steps. We need to be purposeful if you want to eat healthy, you got to make a plan. You can't just go to the grocery store and say, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get what I want to eat and think that it's going to be healthy because it won't. It won't be. You know, it, maybe, maybe if you're on a diet, you don't drive down certain streets. You don't drive by the, the, the open range cafe. You don't drive by Sweet Lou's. You don't, uh, you know, you stay way away from McDonald's because even though people talk bad about it, we like to eat it. We live intentionally. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 and 26 says this, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. Therefore, I don't run like someone who runs aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, but I do it on purpose. 
Let's take every step towards maturity in Christ, becoming like Christ with purpose. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 12 through 13 says, Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Let's make decisions that will strengthen our spiritual walk, that will create habits in our life on purpose, that will make level paths for our feet. You know, attending church regularly, being around fellow believers and, and, and supporting them, praying for one another, studying our Bibles, joining a small group so that we can run with others in a closer, deeper fellowship than is ever even possible on, in an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. You know, I'm, it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint. I'm glad you're here with us. In the room, on Facebook, if you're watching it later, we almost always are, have access to what we do here on a Sunday morning. North Hills isn't perfect, of course, but it is definitely a place where you are loved, where you belong, and where you can become more like Christ. Simplify, have patience, persist in focusing on Jesus every day, running as a team. Remember that God is cheering you on. I mean, he gave his son Jesus as a sacrifice for you. He's paving the way. He's cheering you on and run with purpose, not just willy, willy. And as your pastor, I am committed to do everything that I possibly can to help you finish your race. You see, it's never too late. And you're never too old. Are you ready to start running today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for... I just thank you that you're cheering us on, that, that you want us to succeed in life, that you, you want us to live with peace and health and, and the understanding that, that we're forgiven. And that when we make mistakes, that you don't, that, that, that you don't push us away, but, but you welcome us back and you heal us and you purify us. Father, for all of the moms in the room and that are watching online, Lord, I pray that that if they're feeling tired right now, I, Lord, I pray that you would provide rest, encouragement, that they would recognize how, how important their role is in the life of their children. What a gift their children are. And Lord, um, for those maybe that are, that are in this room today, that, Lord, their greatest desire is to be a mom and you haven't blessed them yet. Lord, I just pray that that you would speak truth into their hearts and their minds and that they would understand that you're also cheering them on. And Lord, for those who, of us who, who have lost our mom, she's not on this planet anymore. Lord, thank you for them. I pray that the tears of sadness that we can often have would, be, would turn into tears of joy for the memories that we have. And Lord, I know that there's even people who their relationship with their mom really wasn't all that great, and maybe they're not even on speaking terms. But, Father, I pray that, that they too would, would just be thankful in their heart and their mind for the life that their mom gave them. Maybe even a phone call today to say thanks. Thanks for giving me life. And, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us life. Life in your Son, part of this journey of life. Father, I, I want to pray for those. I know that some that are watching online, even right now, they would love to be here on a Sunday morning, and they can't. 
Lord, I just pray that they would sense your presence with them today, that they would just know that we're thinking about them. Um, Father, I want to pray for our, our graduates who are kind of have life in front of them, whether they're graduating from high school or they're graduating from college. It's another step of maturity. And just pray for wisdom as they move on. And uh, Father, I also want to pray for Brittany Hedelson, who just had surgery. Lord, I pray that you would heal her and you would watch over her life. Lord, I pray for those that are in our lives and who are in our circles of influence that don't, haven't surrendered their life to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would help us to be a, a loving, gracious witness of the peace and joy that we can experience in life as we are in a relationship with you. Thank you. Father, as we take this morning offering and sing this closing song, I pray that, that our hearts would be drawn to you. As we worship, we would just have a, a, a great, great week thinking about what we've talked about this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.